You are listening to a sermon preached at Still Bay Baptist Church in Still Bay, South Africa. For more information, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you be blessed in listening to God's Word today. We are in a December series about seeking shalom, finding God's promised peace. Um, I hope you're also spending some time thinking of this, but just this idea of what really is available to us in Shalom. Shalom is the state of well-being physically, emotionally, socially, and above all, spiritually. Shalom is available irrespective of its external circumstances. Now, um, Renee, my wife Renee, sent me a video this week, and then this morning Bruce referred to the same video, so... I realize this can't be by chance, but this is a video, and you might have seen it, it's from a couple of years back, where in Egypt, ISIS, the Muslim militants, lined up a whole row of Christians on the beach in their orange jumpsuits, and they killed them right there. And the video that Renee sent me was where they spoke to the, the wives, the, the widows, and the children of these men. Now, I won't ask you maybe to answer the question. But if this was your husband, who was taken away and his only crime was that he loved Jesus, and he was publicly killed, and the message sent out across the world, and a news reporter come to you and say, how do you feel about it? What would you say? Think about that one a bit. You know what these women said? We were so thankful to see that our husbands praised God when they were killed. And they said, we don't care. The Bible says God looks after the widows and the orphans. They get something about this that our Western world, by and large, does not get at all. We moan when the electricity is off for two hours. We moan as if it's the worst thing in the world. Our happiness is dependent on whether my light switch works. How weak we are. And that's the journey we are on this month to say, we don't want to be there. We want to experience what is available from God now in terms of this peace. This peace that is irrespective of external things. Um, We want to find out where is this peace and how do I find this peace. Now, what we saw last week is that the first hurdle to finding this type of peace in our world is the fact that we are all born enemies of God. So you can't go looking for peace anywhere else in your work, in your relationship with your wife or your children or your country or between nations. None of that will ever be possible until you've dealt with this first problem that you are born an enemy of God. And like I said, the bad news is that we all start there. Ephesians 2 says... We are born following the prince of the air, an interesting title given to Satan. We are, we're all looking up at this pipe dream, and we say, oh, we're going to find our happiness. And Ephesians 2 also says that we were children of wrath. That's the bad news. The bad news is that we still all start out there. The good news is that God provided a way for it to change. Thanks be to God. We couldn't solve this problem. But He sent His Son to pay the price on our behalf so that this 
enemy we have, this, this being an enemy of God, can change into friendship, into family. Um, he paid the price. That is the good news. Now the thing is, if you, and the Bible uses an interesting term, it says, if you obey the gospel. And we go, but how does that work? The gospel is something you listen to and you accept. Why would it say obey the gospel? Because it requires something of me. It requires me to acknowledge who God is as the creator, as the boss. It requires of me to acknowledge that I'm weak and nothing and broken. And it requires of me to submit myself and repent and ask for forgiveness. And once I do that, I am immediately a child of God. I'm immediately at peace with God. And that is a, a positional place of peace. Positionally, I'm no longer an enemy. I am now a friend of God. I'm free. I'm his child. But it takes a while, sometimes too long, for people for it to become an experiential freedom. Positionally, I'm free, but am I experiencing my freedom yet? That would be like someone who's sitting in a prison cell. And the guard comes and he unlocks the door and he walks away. And the guy's sitting inside and he says, I'm free. Yes, I'm free. And he picks up his plate of slosh and he starts eating. I'm free. I can't believe it. And he walks to his bucket in the corner for the toilet and he sits there and he thinks, how wonderful it is to be free. Now, is he free? Positionally, yes. He's been set free. The door is open. But he hasn't yet decided to do what needs to be done to experience that freedom. He needs to get up. He needs to open that door. He needs to walk out. He needs to go and live his life. And that is often the problem with us is that we positionally become free in Christ, but we stay there and we remain like the rest of the world and we live like the rest of the world and we complain like the rest of the world and we worry like the rest of the world and we don't realize there is far more available for us in Christ. There are gifts that He puts on a plate before us and we stand over here and we just look at it. Last week we looked at four great benefits of being at peace with God. And this is benefits for now. We're not talking about one day when He comes again. The first one is we have access to the grace of God. Do you see already that man sitting in the prison had access to his freedom, but he had to do it. He had to walk out. We have access to the grace of God, the favor of God, the empowerment of God to live your life like he's called you to live it, to be different than the world. The next thing is that we have hope for the future. No one who fully lives in the peace that God offers, ever worries about the future. And if they do, they pull themselves together again and say, my future is in God's hands. Never mind my short-term future, my eternal future is coming again. Do you think you will ever one day sit in eternity and go, man, I should have bought a BMW and not a Mercedes? It was such a bad choice. You know, at that time, that guy offered me a job opportunity and I never took it. Oh man, my life could have been so much better. Now all of that will be forgotten because the hope for the future is the eternal future of him coming back. This is available to us. The next one that's available to us is the ability to rejoice and grow in suffering. What do we do in suffering? We run to Facebook. 
Did you see what the municipality did now again? This guy parked on my lawn today. I hope you see yourself there because I see myself there. Someone who experientially lives the peace of God takes anything unpleasant that comes their way and say, God, what are you going to do through this in me and through me? If I'm a child of God, God will never waste suffering on me. Every single suffering I face is God busy doing something, teaching me to rejoice, teaching me to grow. And the last one is that we are able to live in love because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And so the first step that we had to ask last week in saying, is this true of you? Do you want this to be true of you? Why, for so many people who claim to be Christians, is this not true? And we said the clue was when the angels came and they said these words, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. If you're a Christian by name and you live to please yourself, you will never experience the benefits of peace with God. God says, those, of, those children of mine who make it their life goal to please me, they will have the benefits of this. Um, and so we also found this, we're busy in the rest of the year in Colossians, and look what we read already, and it says, Paul, this is Paul's prayer for Christians, not for unbelievers, he says this for Christians. I pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. So you have your will. What you want to do, what your plans in life is, what you think the best thing. He says, my prayer is that you will forget all of that and you will figure out what God's will is in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. How do I please God? By stopping to do what I think I should be doing. I killed it, sorry. I pressed something. How do I get to a life that pleases God? By every morning, every moment, waking up and asking, God, what do you want? And then I don't use my brain to figure it out. I use God's Word to figure it out. God, what do you want from me, from my family, from my abilities, from my giftings? What do you want? Um, there are so many, we spoke about nominal Christian mantras, people who are Christian by name but don't live it. And one of the Christian mantras in this nominal world is, it doesn't matter how you live, God loves you anyway. Have you ever heard that? It doesn't matter how you live, God loves you anyway. His love is unconditional. Now again, that's a little bit of truth covered in a whole lot of lies. Um, what is the truth? God loved you, but He hated how you lived. And so He sent His Son to die to save you. And now that you are saved, He still hates that type of life. But He empowers you to not live like that anymore. And if you live in that power and you start obeying Him and pleasing Him, you start living the benefits of this. Um, what happens if you don't? 
What happens if you say, oh, you know what, I'm going to take my chances. I know I should be pleasing God, but it seems a lot more fun to please me and to do what I want and to live my life. What will happen to me? Well, there are many examples in the Bible. One of them in 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul writes to them and says, you guys are doing communion in an unworthy manner. I mean, how big is communion for you in the, in the life of a Christian? He says, you are not doing this in a way that pleases me. For that reason, some of you are getting sick and are dying. God is killing some Christians because they're not doing communion right. That's powerful. That's powerful. Why? Because He's God, you are not. He won't let you mess with His glory. When Ananias and Sapphira, members of the church, came and lied about their money, they fell down dead. Did Satan kill them? Satan wasn't in the church. He couldn't have done it. God says, I will not let you mess with my glory. You will choose whether you are my enemy or whether you are my best friend that receives all the benefits that's available to being my friend. Okay, so, if you can remember one thing today, it matters how you live. Okay, so now we're taking the next step in this journey of peace, and we ask, but what about with other people? Now that I have peace with God, what is available in peace with other people? Are we just going to be like the rest of the world where people are forever smiling in front of someone and when they have passed in and you're... And you go home and you tell your wife, oh, you wouldn't believe what that guy didn't say to me. Luckily, none of you do this, obviously. What is available for us? Um, Again, perfect relationship will only be available in eternity. We long for that day when we will be in eternity with God and it will be a community. Just remember that. We're going to live in community. You're not going to get there and get your harp and your cloud and you go sit there and play harp all day long, no contact with anyone else. We're going to live in a community on earth, the new earth, being in community, being in perfect community, perfect relationship with everyone. But how much is available today? What should our goal be today? It is too easy to say, well, it's not going to be perfect, so what's the point in trying? Imagine you said that about anything else. I'm never going to eat perfectly, so what's the point in trying? I just won't eat. I'm never going to have a perfect marriage, so I will just stay single for the rest of my life. No, we, we, we enter something and we go for the goal. We aim for what is available, the best that is available. Now, here is one example in the Bible of the goal. What is available now in the relationships with Christians? And it says, I appeal to you, brothers... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you and that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Is he saying we must agree on everything? Should we all agree that pineapple should definitely go on pizza? Okay. Should we all agree that Crocs are the best shoes ever invented? Okay, I like that. Preach it. If you listen to the context of everything he says, is that we agree on the things where God expressed his truth. Not his opinion. God never expresses an opinion. Whenever God expresses his truth, he says, guys, we better agree on this. There's no room for opinions 
and other options here. This is where we have to agree. Um, and no divisions. Why do we often have divisions? Because I don't like what you do. I don't like what you say. You're different to me and you, you treated me badly. And how do you get rid of the divisions? The picture is here is that the Lord Jesus Christ. If I come and I'm truly saved and I'm born again and my goal becomes Jesus. I want you, Jesus. Nothing else in life is important to me. I want to love what you love. I want to hate what you hate. I want to obey what you call me to do. If that's what I'm saying, and the guy next to me is saying the same thing, won't we be in agreement? Won't, won't there be no division between us? But the moment I start inwardly focusing and say, well, that's how I like things, and this is how I think the church should be stacked in the church, and this is how I think, then it starts suddenly becoming my opinions versus your opinions, and we start clashing. There's that beautiful picture that says, if you have 100 pianos, you don't have to sit trying to tune all of them to each other. You just get one pitchfork. And if you tune each one individually to that pitchfork and they start playing together, it's a beautiful symphony. Because they didn't try to match each other, but they tried to match the source, God. That's the goal. Um, why do we struggle? Why do we struggle with this? Why is it that I hear rumors? Because I only find these things out by rumors. People don't come to me and say, you know, I really dislike that person in the church. No, I lie. That's once happened to me. Someone explicitly stated the people they dislike in the church. Um, why is it that I hear rumors like, that one now goes to that service because they don't want to be in this, this service where that person is, and this one doesn't want to go there because that one is there. Why do we miss this? Why don't we get this right? Now, my opinion why is very unimportant. So let's hear what the Bible says. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving, don't you love this, only in a human way? Humans fight. Humans can't agree. Humans have disunity. It's impossible for humans not to do that. But we are more. We're supposed to be more. We're supposed to be changed. We're supposed to be born again. No longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. But the moment I forget that and I start focusing on my worldly things, you said something that really touched my ego and you did then the flesh starts coming up again. But if I deny myself, take up my cross, and follow Jesus, these things become possible. The previous, the previous slide, it becomes possible. Now, whenever we speak about this, people are often quick to jump to this verse, and they say, oh, but remember, Romans 12 verse 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And they go, see, it's not going to be possible. I went to that person and I said I'm sorry and they said I don't care and now I'm upset because they don't want to accept my apology. I tried my best. We're just going to be enemies. That's a very bad interpretation of that verse. I'm going to show you the context of this verse. What does the verse above it says? Repay no one evil for evil, 
but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So in other words, it says, if that person doesn't respond well, I never repay with bad behavior. If that person does evil to me, I never respond with evil. If that person doesn't accept my apology or forgiveness, I don't say, well, that's your choice and I have to live with it. How do I get this right? If this person is constantly in my face and he's just, she, and he is just annoying the living daylights out of me and I can't take it anymore, where do I get the strength to say peace, kindness, love? I will never get it in my relationship with that person. I get it from Jesus. So if I struggle here, it's because I'm not right here. If I struggle to repay your evil with good, it's because I haven't sat enough at the source of good, the source of patience, and to sit before God and say, I'm so horrible and you still love me. I'm so, I run away the whole time and you just forgive me every time. And if I sit and live there enough, I start being empowered to do this because all I do is I just pass on. You want some love? I can get some here. I'll pass it on. You want some gentleness? I'll get it here and I'll pass it on. That's how we get it right. Um, so let's end off this with getting very practical because it's all good and well to say, okay, I'm going to pursue peace. I'm going to do it. What needs to change in me? What needs to change in the situation for this to work? Again, my opinion, vastly unimportant. Let's see what the Bible says. Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's interesting that right here in the middle of the book, Paul decides to remind them that he's a prisoner. Why do you think that? Because he could easily have said, you know, did you see how they treated me? They're going to get it. If I get out of here, they're not going to know what hit them. But he said, look at me. I'm a prisoner for the Lord and listen to what I think is best. First thing is a couple of things he mentions here. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So in my relationship with someone, he's saying, stay back a moment and look at this relationship and say, I am someone called to follow Jesus. I am someone who is called to make it all about Jesus, to be in relationship with him, to know him, to love and obey him. If I look myself at myself in this situation, do I see it? Do I see myself acting as someone called by God or someone living in the flesh? Being honest about how I'm behaving. Because you know what normally happens when I'm in conflict situation? People come to me and they say, I'm in conflict with that person. Let me tell you all the bad things that I've done in this situation. Is that what they do? Let me tell you why this fighting is my fault and then you can help us. No, they come and they say, let me tell you what that person did. Let me tell you what that person said. Let me tell you what that person is doing to me. They don't want to talk about themselves. And this verse says, whoa, stay back 
And don't look at the other person in this situation. Ask of yourself, am I walking in a manner worthy of someone called to be the child of God? Change to be a light in this world. That's the first one. The next one, with all humility and gentleness. What is the, one of the greatest killers of relationships? Pride. I'm not getting my way. Suffer. And he's saying, no. Come into a situation, and irrespective of who that person is, show them humility, you are more important than me, and show them gentleness. Now, a while back we looked at the verse that addresses that says, we're not talking about sin here. We're not saying if this person is sinning, you come with humility and don't worry, just carry on. It's nothing wrong with it. You be you. Love is love. All these type of things. Um, he's saying, no, he's talking here about immaturity. He's talking here about different opinions. He's talking here about different personalities. He's not talking about right and wrong. He's talking about differences where both could be right. And he says, in that space, I come and I say, I will humble myself to you. I will be gentle to you, even though I really disagree with how you're doing this. But I can't find any verses that says you're wrong. So I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to be gentle towards you, irrespective of how you treat me. Humility and gentleness. And the next one then goes with that, and it says patience. Because obviously the first time you're gentle to them and humble, the whole situation changes and everything is perfect until the end of time. No. You come humble and gentle and they walk over you. You go, I was not called to be a floor mat for God. That's also things people have told me before. Ah, then you go again. Patience. Okay, God, you said this is the way. It's going to be, be always better than my way. I'll continue. Humble and gentleness. Humble gentleness. Humility, and I'll have patience. I'll carry on. Humility and gentleness. Humility and gentleness. It does change relationships. It does. And then the next one says, bearing with one another in love. We, we looked at this word bearing as well. It's a word used, Jesus often used. When he looked at his disciples acting with um, weak faith or immaturity, and I says, how long do I have to bear with you? So again, he's not talking about sin. He's talking about immaturity. He's talking about lack of faith. He's talking about weakness. And it says again, in a state, in a situation where this person is acting immaturely, just bear with them in love. Because I can promise you, it's not a mature person and an immature person. It's a situation where I am more mature than you. There will be different situations where you are more mature than me. If I had to go sit with those ladies in Egypt who lost their husbands, my theological knowledge might be far more mature than theirs. But they're living it. I'm a dwarf in front of them. So never come with this attitude like, oh, I'm the great one and I'll just humble myself because... No. In every situation, just bear with love. Just bear with love. And then the last one says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And what is this saying? 
It's saying, it's almost like the first one. He says, I step back and I say, what is most important in this situation? What's most important is that through the unity of the Spirit, we all have the same Spirit, we are all in unity, there is a bond of peace that should exist. Am I eager to do whatever it takes to maintain that bond of peace? Or am I more interested in getting my way? Or am I more interested in people seeing how wonderful I am? That's why it's sometimes needed to be gentle and patient. Because my way is unimportant. Getting things my way is vastly unimportant. When it comes to what God has called us to be, a bond of peace that shows the world, this is how you will know that these people are my disciples, by the love you have one for another. I need to wonder if I can say this now. I'm going to try to make it very vague so you don't understand. It's none of you. Don't worry. None, nobody here. I spent time recently with people who are very, 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 very rich. And when I spent time with them, I realized they think Christianity has nothing to offer them. Nothing. They, they have what they want, and if they don't have it, they can either buy it or they can pay someone to make it for them. What do we have to offer to the world? Not better parties and better music and better sound systems and better whatevers. We have God to offer to them. The change that God brings. The promise of God's eternity. And if they're going to walk in and they don't see it, what's the point? That's why that verse says, By this the people will know that you are my disciples. By the love you have for one another. When the Holy Spirit wo starts working in someone's heart and they become annoyed with the, f with the physical world of wealth and power and all of that, and they're looking for something more, they're looking for real, they're looking for God, they're looking for change, and they walk into a group that does it, does it differently to the world, they can say, God is here. I see Him working. I experience Him working. That's the thing. So in conclusion... In Christ, we have the gift of better relationships with each other than the world can experience. Um, the best thing you can do in 2024 to improve your relationships with other people is to work on yourself. I'm going to say it again. The best thing you can do in 2024 to improve your relationships with other people is to work on yourself. Firstly, ask. Am I a child of God? Am I truly born again? Or am I just walking with this crowd who are born again? I'm just walking along. It's never been a real reality for me. I'm just one of the ones here. Have I truly been born again? And then ask myself, am I living for me or for God? Am I living for my opinions and my likes and my dislikes? Or have I caught this calling from God to make it about Him, to follow in His footsteps, walking to eternity. Then this peace, this peace with God, this peace with each other, doesn't just become a possibility, it becomes a reality. Something we live and experience and enjoy. Let's pray together. Yes, Father, we, we thank you that 
This is all available in you, not from you. You do not give us a gift of peace. You give us yourself the Prince of Peace. And Lord, help us to understand that. That if we do not spend time in your presence, loving you, obeying you, things around us will be broken. Because we are trying to stand by ourselves and get our ways. Lord, help us to deny ourselves. That's a strong calling. Take up our cross even stronger and follow you. Lord, thank you for what is available to those who are born again. Thank you for what is available to those who live to please you. And Lord, we can't. So empower us through your spirit to be different, to live for your glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you were blessed in hearing God's word today. For more information or prayer, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you find your life in Jesus Christ and Him alone.